You know, I've learned to find the joy in every day and also be happy making a step forward. Even if it's just a couple of things, everything you do, you add it together, you add it together, and then it, you, know, you have a finished item, a project, whatever it is. The Uniformer. Insights and interviews into the people and companies that drive the markets for uniforms, image apparel, and public safety equipment. The Uniformer is a production of the Network Association of Uniform Manufacturers and Distributors. The NAUMD. Hello, welcome to the Uniformer. I'm Rick Levine from the NAUMD. Happy to have a lovely lady here with me today that I have known for quite some time, uh, Bridget Rumpf. And Bridget, uh, uh, first of all, welcome to the podcast, Bridget. Thanks, Rick. Nice to see you again. Uh, Bridget is uh, the VP of Creative Services at the Samuel Broom Uniform Accessories uh, Company. And the Broom family has uh, been a a multi-generational business operation. And uh, Bridget, I believe you've been there a while and worked with many brooms. Um, But why don't we start actually, uh, Bridget, your your official title is VP of Creative Services. And I'm curious, you know, uh, what is it Broom does and how then does the VP of Creative Services um, uh, perform, you know, within that company? Well, you know, Rick, we are neckwear manufacturers, American neckwear manufacturers, which I'm very proud to add. Um, We're here in New York City, and we make accessories um, for the career apparel industry, for uh, schools, um, military. We we, we cross the gamut of all those different industries. What I do here, basically, um, is that I look out for and, and head the creative custom end of the business. So when people come here for a custom design project, it will start with me. We will sometimes customers come to us and they're fully prepared with, um, with an idea, an image for their, their company. And we listen to them. That's one thing I learned early on was to listen. Absolutely give the client what they are seeking. And if we think that we can, help them and give them some better direction or better ideas as far as designing it, which will then in turn be better for the manufacturer of the project. Um, that's what we do. But I am, I'm here, I'm responsible for the beginning of it, the designing of it, um, getting it ready to be manufactured, pricing it out and figuring out how exactly, uh, you know, we are going to do it. It's interesting because, you know, there's so many components to a uniform and, you know, there's, you know, literally from the head to the toe and your um, product arguably is extremely visible as I'm sitting here listening to describe the, the custom part of it, because it's right there. You know, people look at your face but then they're going to look down a little bit and there's this neckwear there's, you know, so it's either a scarf or a tie or, you know, or something. And so it's interesting that, you know, you've got both stock items, right? So if I come in, I can just, as a law enforcement, you know, agency, I can just, you know, get that Navy tie, but where it gets more interesting <laughs> is they come in and, you know, um, they want something unique that matches their class A uniforms in a different way, or they want, or they're a hospitality uh, company. I know you work with some big 
big hospitality programs and they want something unique in their specific colors and their design, you know, there's some sort of design to it. So that's you, you'll design that. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. You know, we have stock lines and we have different ways and you're, you're correct. The, the thing about a, a neckwear, whether it's for, for, you know, different styles, whatever they want, that's the first thing that people see. And even if they don't want to necessarily go in to change the uniform, they want to change the accessories. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's always, and we do, we, we, we listen, we see if they want to do a stock line item, if there's something we can design uh, a pattern and that is our responsibility. We do, you know, woven, uh, printed silks, polys, different blends. Um, and now, you know, that fibers are changing and that's something else that we're, we're want to really start this year is looking into to new fibers. Uh, we also want to get into sustainable items. So there's a lot of new things that we're looking at, but yeah, that is my responsibility to start the design process, see if they want to buy, you know, off of our stock lines um, or how we can best meet what it is there. You know, they have different ideas of what they want to do. So we listen, we try to fill and, you know, help them um, either project a brand new image. You know, sometimes we have people come in they want to change their image entirely, or they just want to come in and fill in. Um, and then it also depends on timing and on budgets. And if we, sometimes we use our stock lines to fill in until we can actually roll out a new program. So there's a lot of different, you know, aspects to it. Um, but we really try to listen to what they want to do and work with them. And, you know, you're mentioning the fabrics and, you know, there is so much happening innovation uh, in, in the fabric world, textile world. How, I mean, the neckwear is not necessarily obligated to follow the same um, specifications as the shirts and the pants, correct? Well, that's true. Um, we, have, we haven't had the opportunity yet, but we've been looking to more performance fibers for certain, you know, but it's also what we can do with them as far as, cause you know, it's very specific when you uh, make a tie, uh, it has to stand up and has to hold a knot and has to be cut on the bias. So there are very specific, a lot of new fabrications might not necessarily work to make the, the tie itself, but there, you know, we've expanded and we do a lot of other products. We're doing bows and all different types of scarves and uh, we've also started to do winter gear and things. So, you know, we're always looking um, for new fibers, new fabrics, seeing if we can actually apply it to neckwear, um, especially sustainable fabrics. You know, that's a whole new frontier um, that we have to really be conscious of. And, and hopefully we can incorporate into what we're doing. But that's yeah, part well, of our mission. And you're mentioning that it's not just the neckwear. That's been the core uh, business of, of Broom, I know. But, you know, if you go to broomaccessories.com, you see that now you've also got above the, the, above the head. <laughs> oh, yeah, we are. We have. In, yeah, I think we've been doing it. I think it's three years now, Rick. Um, we have moved into making uh, hats, caps um, for the uniform industry. And it's, um, you know, it's very exciting. I have. I have really um, less to do with that. I have designed 
some of them and and you know we've I've been involved and we have that that's that's so funny. Making neckwear is a component item. You know, there's so many different components to go into a, a, a tie, lining, tipping, you know, labels, um, clips if it's a clip-on. And the same is true of these hats and caps. There's so many different pieces that go to put these together. But we've 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 um actually a very, very excited and pleased with what we've started here. And we have a nice, uh, we, we do quite a bit of hats, um, police, firemen, uh, doormen, conductors, you know, transit, stuff like that. It's fun. And they're beautiful. They're really beautiful. You know, I'm smiling because, you know, niches within niches and, you know, um, the average, if I just play the average, you know, person on the subway kind of thing, and I think about neckwear, I think it's just one component. I think, oh, don't you just cut fabric and sew it into that shape? But that's so interesting. You just named, you know, what, you know, five other things oh, that yeah. have to be considered. And when- the, fun, the thing that I'm chuckling to myself about, that's sometimes the problem we have because people figure they take care of the entire program and they say, well, it's not going to take long to get the tie. So we'll just, you know, how would it, it could take two weeks, just let them, we'll order, you know, just cut it. It's very sunny. No, it's a very, actually, it's a complicated item to make because it has to be cut um, on the bias to the true bias, because if it doesn't, when you tie it to make a knot, it really won't hold the knot properly. It's not, it it won't hold the knot, won't look well. So that's how you always know if you have well cut tie if it's on a true bias because you could take your tie up and hold it it'll, it'll come straight down and won't it won't twirl and wiggle interesting wow i did not know that the one thing i did know was that for certain occupations you will make the tie i don't know what the right term is a clip on or breakaway oh, or something yes. where because you certainly don't want a law enforcement officer you know being held tightly by something that's around their neck. So it's right. got to break away. Right. Yeah. We have a clip on tie that's used. Um, and we also make a hook and loop tie because a hook and loop tie that's less aggressive. So now we have, there's, we used to have, we actually, we do stock both of them, but the, the less aggressive hook and loop is used so that when it's around the person's neck, that if it's pulled, it lets go easier. Mm. Um, and we also use it for, for um, other items, scarf-like items as well. We just don't use it on the classic necktie because we use it on smaller items too. Whatever the band, depends on whatever band they want. But yeah, that's a breakaway item. The clip-on is a breakaway item. And that is for safety. Yeah. And so I imagine there's more occupations than just law enforcement that are interested in that for Oh, it goes security. Yes. For host and also too, a lot of gentlemen do not know how to tie a tie. <laughs> so we, we give little, you know, we have little, you know, drawings and stuff that will teach different knots because there are different knots. Um, but, but, but sometimes we happen to make a very nice uh, knot on our clip-on tie. So when you put it on, it's underneath the collar because we always make sure we have a dimple. And so it looks very finished and, and it looks well. It looks as if somebody has tied it. Somebody has tied it, but not the person wearing it. Uh, and it looks it looks it looks great on the clip. I, I I actually think I'm a candidate for that because I know how to tie, kind of like one way, 
but then I always feel like it doesn't look as good as it should or could. And I'll look at other gentlemen and how, and like, why does theirs look better? Why does theirs look more even? So well, the next convention, we'll sit down and I'll show you my little drawings. And, oh, uh, that'd be great. But it's, yeah. it is, it makes a difference. And it also too, there's different knots you can tie. And sometimes the reason you think another gentleman's tie might look better is perhaps he's tying a different knot. Yeah, likely. I always assumed, but I never, you know, I never bothered to learn. Uh, and, you know, which also uh, a thought just popped in my head. Like, you know, I just have so many less occasions that I wear a tie. Now I don't have to wear one to work every day. So, um, so that's probably been a challenge as styles have changed. Um, hasn't necessarily, you know, um, seen the uh, the sales volume on neckwear that, you know, it might have 50 years ago? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, here in New York, of course, um, what now pandemic thrown everything off, right? But um, because people are working from home and remotely. Um, but here in New York, um, gentlemen still wear, you know, they have to go to the office in a suit and tie. If not a yeah. suit, then certainly a sports jacket and a tie. Uh, and as I understand some, from some of my friends that work in the financial sector uh, when they work remotely or they're doing a meeting, um, they're expected to have this, this shirt and tie on. Now, maybe they don't have pants on, but they definitely have the shirt and tie on for the meeting. Interesting. You know, what's interesting within the uniform industry, Bridget, is I worked for a while for an industrial laundry and in the industrial laundry side of the industry, men, you know, wear suits and ties uh, yeah. to the offices and you go to your typical, you know, um, uh, law enforcement manufacturer or dealer distributor and no, but, you know, very few are wearing, you know, suits and ties. It's much more uh, casual Friday, everyday kind of thing. Well, we here, here we are. Um, we, we're much more casual when we have, um, clients coming up, then we'll make sure that, you know, we look a little bit more of the part, but, you know, we have many clients come to visit us and say, before they get it, please, can we just be relaxed and not being, we say, okay, whatever, you know, that goes back to what I said originally, we always listen. And if that's what you want, that's fine with us too. It's funny that they um, would worry, which makes sense. Like, well, do I have to wear a tie when I go to, you know? Well, I think that's, the- I think that's part of it. I really, I really yeah. think that is, but you yeah. know, like I said before, we have been, um, we entered, we started to make hats this like a couple of years ago. We've also, we've expanded to do dress belts uh, and of oh. course masks. And uh, we have stock masks and we also have custom masks. We've done um, several custom programs of masks uh, in the healthcare industry. And also the pandemic created such a backlog for people uh, they couldn't get things manufactured. They couldn't get them from whatever countries they were buying it from. And since we truly are American manufacturers, they've come to us. And so we've been doing a lot more in the upscale, upscale formal wear business, bows and uh, cummerbunds and such. Excellent. And and I've, I've been there. I, I can bear witness to this because I've seen <laughs> broom accessories uh, being manufactured. And uh, it really is, you know, right there in New York. And, uh, and it's always been, which is a nice segue for me to ask about, you know, you've been with Broom for, uh, you know, a number of years. 
you know, I'll phrase it this way, considerably longer than most people work at one company, Bridget. <laughs> so, so what do you attribute that to? Well, the broom, Danny, Carolyn, and I are childhood friends. We grew up together. Um, Carolyn and I were, um, we met on the first day of seventh grade, which I will tell you is, is, is quite, I'm not going to tell you how many years, but believe me, it's quite a few. And, um, you know, we did certain things. Um, we went to school, we did certain things separately, and then we started to work together. And there's a certain type of esprit de corps and a camaraderie when you've known people that long. So it makes the energy in the workplace fun. Uh, we know how to challenge each other. We know how to support each other. And we understand each other. I mean, we have a common language that goes back, you know, from childhood. So we play together as kids and we work together. We know how to work and play together now. So it's, it's also a trust factor. So I was always allowed to work freely and make decisions. And then we all work together. You know, when we have new projects here, whether it's a hat project, a scarf project, a big program, hospitality, an airline. Um, we always gather together. If there's a certain aspect of it, we pick a certain, one of us becomes the point person. And then, you know, we take aspects of it and we, we bring it all together. And that's the way to do it. And I like the way we do it and I've enjoyed it. And I think that's the reason I've, I've stayed here so long. I've always felt that I was creatively challenged. Um, and then also there's other aspects, you know, pricing, making sure that we have all of the components that we need here, looking for new resources, um, handling an issue. You know, during the pandemic, we had to figure out, you know, there's, there's a challenge in itself. We, we are American manufacturers. People come to us. But, you know, today we try to source as much as we can here in this country, but we still have to buy. There's certain things that we need to make our product. They don't make it in this country anymore. So there's the challenge of getting everything in in order to make that American-made necktie, that American-made scarf, you know, that American-made hat. Um, we bring it in and we have to get it. So, you know, th there's a lot to stay on top of. And we also are always trying to think of something new. So one thing I wanted to uh, mention is, you know, talking about what challenges me. Well, you know, moving forward now, what we'd like to do in this coming year, we, we started from the last convention, you actually spurred us on. We are going to, we've, I've already started. We want to change our packaging to be, you know, compostable. We want to change. Um, we also have a lot of scrap fabric when we cut. So we're trying to figure out how we can, um, you know, better utilize that and get it to somebody that can, can recycle it. Um, so, and also the, the, the cardboard and, and all, because we use a tremendous amount of packaging and bags. So that's what, you know, we're working on that. And also too, in this new environment that we find ourselves in, you know, the products we've made have always been so segregated and delineated as these are male neckties. These are female bow ties. These are female scarves. And today we don't want that. We are concentrating here on making a gender neutral accessory. So we want to be able to have that. And we're actually working on designing a couple of new styles that can be worn by whoever wants to wear them. And that's important for us.
as accessory manufacturers. We can't have just anybody can wear a tie, anybody can wear a scarf, anybody can wear, you know, we make 200 different bow ties. Um, so we want to be able to, you know, present that as, as gender neutral accessories moving forward. So how does that, how does that innovation come on? I know you started our, our talk by talking about how much you listen and that that's such a valuable lesson for those in, in the creative, you know, and design uh, portion of our, of our industry. But I am curious then how you decide, you know, how did you come up with 200 different bow ties? Oh, that a lot of that came way before me. We just have so many different styles, different sizes. Cause you know, every time you, you make a certain shape bow or certain size, or for, for, you know, we have a tulip bow and a tab bow and a manager's bow and, a, you know, all of those kind of, there's so many different styles, rosettes, uh, Kentucky Colonel, a lot of things we don't, sh- we can make all of them, but we don't necessarily show them because like anything else, they, you know, they, history and, and fashion repeats itself, but it doesn't quite come back the same way. So it's mm. that kind of thing. We have all of those type of different items and, and so many different, you know, a lot of people come to us and say, oh, can you make us an ascot? And we say, mm. sure. What, what are you calling an ascot? What because, are you calling an ascot? Because right? I can show you 10 different <laughs> things that are, that are really kind of like ascots. Mm. And so we work from there. And like we're trying to figure out and try to make a couple of new styles that we could kind of be the, the leader of this idea of us, of, of, of presenting everything that we make here is gender neutral. Um, so we, you know, we're trying to combine the idea of the style of the classic four in hand tie and perhaps an oblong and how we can put them together. So we do a lot of, you know, we have fabric, we, we will make drawings, we make sketches, we look at it. And, you know, it's, it's something that we keep in front of us um, and we don't push it. It'll, it'll form itself. And, you know, we, we have, a, you know, artists in the studio that work with us. And, um, and we all have a little bit of you know, play if I put it out. So what do you think of this? You know, things like that. But we've had, we've been, we've been doing, trying to do a lot of new type of projects like that to, to kind of, you know, keep things going. The ascot is making me think of like the, the class. The, well, two things came to mind. One is, you know, like Downton Abbey, like, okay, right. Oh, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. Like, like, like there's this dress and, and there, there likely is call for that within the uniform industry. If you think about fine dining, if you think about, you know, other uh, fancier oh, um, yeah. establishments, Listen, and the second th- one, the, and then I'll let you talk. The second one is the doorman I, in New you, York. You, that's exactly, you just took it right out of my mouth. Uh, yeah. Doorman for, you know, apartment buildings for sure. Uh, but also, too, there are a lot of doormans for, for hotels here that have a completely different outfit from anybody else in that hotel. Mm. You know, they have, of course, the hat, which we have made. But, yeah, they absolutely have a lot of, you know, kind of very. Uh, and then they also change their doorman outfit depending on the season, depending on whether it's night and day. A lot of that, especially I remember the most of it. Um, used to see that in the Plaza Hotel. The doorman used to have different, you know, neckwear and, and such for for different uh, occasions or for seasons and such. But yeah, that's you know, a lot of it's not just a, a necktie; it's a, it's a, a, an ascot. It could have a, a a pin with it, you know. Depends. 
But, you know, that's the thing. We also have a lot of design and history books that we go back and look at. There's so many, you know, there's, there's now, you know, the, you can Google anything and it comes yeah. up. So it's great. Whereas, whereas I do have, we have old books of, of neckwear and fashions from, I guess that goes back. I know I have a couple of things that go back to like Bo Brummel. Um, but we have from the 30s and the 40s and uh, how the shape of neckties changed. They used to be really wide, shorter. Um, do you remember Laurel and Hardy? Of do you course. Remember, remember how his tie was short and wide? Yeah. And uh, so there's all that kind of, you know, that history and those kind of ideas you can bring back again and maybe kind of with a little tweak here and there, make it into something new. And I wonder how many, uh, because of Donald Trump, are now wearing their tie like exceedingly long. Yeah, right? that's he, he had it, you know, he that red tie that goes way below the belt. Yeah, that makes me crazy. It's too long. The tip of the tie should only be half an inch below your belt. Good to know. All right. And let's stop talking about Donald Trump because this isn't a political podcast, but right. <laughs> he, he was recognized for his red Oh, yeah, ties. absolutely. Yeah. Um, but why can't or why would it be inadvisable for a company to just go to any neckwear producer and purchase, you know, uh, a thousand ties? Oh, they do it all the time. There are people that just come to us and will buy We'll see something in our stock line. Is that what you mean? Say, oh, you know, I no, mean- no, I mean the opposite. Like I could go to Calvin Klein and just buy a thousand ties. And, well, and is Cal- that Cal- Calvin Klein doesn't make the ties? <laughs> 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 yeah, you can go to a lot of those places, but then you know they will call. You know, we do a lot of private labeling. Oh, okay. Yeah, there aren't that many neckwear manufacturers in the United States anymore. And there aren't, um, that's why I always say we are real manufacturers. So we, you know, there are a lot of people who will, will be on a phone and, and buying stuff in, 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 a, in a home office. Uh, and that's fine, but they're not manufacturing it. We actually make it here. You can come in and see our plant. Um, there's quite a few people back there, you know, cutting, sewing, uh, packing, embroidering. You know, we do it all. And those kind of, and, and somebody like um, the designer labels, they really don't make, they, they, they go, they find manufacturers to make their different, you know, clothing parts and, and, uh, and a lot, you know, that's why we're here as manufacturers. They call it the necktie guys. What do you see as challenges moving forward? I know you mentioned that sourcing certainly in the past couple of years, you know, presented a problem and maybe you couldn't go as far as Asia and you're looking to near source certain things. Um, but are there other other items besides sourcing that present a challenge to you as a uniform accessory manufacturer? Well, in the immediate in the immediate um, future is just getting through this pandemic and having people, you know, working through uh, when you you have a plant, you have different lines of production, and you're missing certain people because of COVID. You have to you really have to turn on a dime. So that's an immediate challenge. When you have to deal with, we have to get through, um, you know, and, and every time we seem to get through, as, as you know, something, another variant pops up. Mm. So that kind of thing, that's, that's what we're dealing with. And then, of course, having um, all the components we need. I think that challenge is going to be around for a while. I don't think it's going to disappear so quickly. It'll be, I think, here through most of this year. Yeah, I do. I definitely don't disagree with that. 
it's going to be around, um, I think, for most of this year. I, I thought I, and I, I do feel in some ways, I feel a little bit of, like when we have stuff, we, ha- we do print here in the United States and we print in Asia and we weave in Asia. So I do see that time um, of, of actually getting those custom goods made to be quicker and more as it was a couple of years ago. So maybe they have caught up on, on having their thread and their you know, filament and whatever they need. So I feel good about that. So and and I've and I've talked with others in manufacturing in the US who have also talked about a further challenge that um, people who know how to sew. Well, that's true. That's very true. We've been lucky. They cite that that's going to hold back a return to domestic manufacturing, even if companies intend to be doing it. It's very challenging because we don't have uh, people that know how to sew. That's another plus that we have. We're very lucky here at Broom. Many, many of the men and women in the back that have uh, worked for the Brooms have been here for decades. And they are very, very talented and, and really know how to make the items, make the different products they do. And then also, too, if we go back and we we want to figure out a new item or somebody's brought us something, they really are helpful. And when we sit down together and we, we, we create a new item, like when we had it in the beginning, when we had to make masks, we never made a mask before. So we had to sit down, had some, I had some ideas, you know, and we sat down and, 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 and put it together with sketches and ideas. And then, you know, to a couple of the people in the back that you really have to, you know, build a product together you know, cut it and sew. And sometimes I will, I don't sew. So um, I will take the fabric, but I can Mickey Mouse it in different ways so that I could show what I want. Mm. And then they will stitch it the way I need it to be because it goes back and forth. I mean, it's really a lovely creative dialogue in the actual building. So that's, you know, an, an exciting and fun thing that we do here. So we're lucky, but we're lucky that, and we have had... Um, uh, luck in finding some new people that have joined um, that have really been assets to this business. But but it's the longevity of the people back there that's been great too. Logistics and people and sourcing, I guess, is, is you know, you're right there. You should take comfort that you're not alone. <laughs> well, I think we're, <laughs> you know? I think we're lucky in the fact that, you know, we are here in New York city and I mm-hmm. think that brings um, more people from, you know, we have a wider, you know, we can cast a net, out and there's there's many more people uh and then quite frankly from other businesses that have closed they've come to us mm. yeah. you know so, so there's that there's that aspect of it but i mean the, uh, the challenge for us in this coming year is that we want to be more sustainable we want to have really enter um we want to help and, and 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 be responsible for our carbon p- footprint and try to do something so that's what you know i've been working on um, since, you know, since convention mm, yeah. to try to find no, that, a, those resources. It's a, it's a great goal. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's super important that we all, you know, start to, to play a part in that. Uh, yeah. And, I mean, and, I will be happy if I can make, I just have to, if I make a little teeny dent, even if it could just be like a paper label that we put on the neck or something that I can change. Mm to make that first step, you know, Yeah. because we have to, we have to, 
we really can't change the way we pack things because we have to meet the specification of all these uniform companies of how we pack our items individually or pack them in size cartons and stuff that they want. But I want to be able, Broom has to make a step um, and, and, and we're anxious to do so. We just have to find, um, you know, of course, at the end, there are always people say there are people that want this to happen, but they don't want to pay for it at the end, the end user. But you know what? We, we can, there are things that we can do and um, on our own and change our supplies, which is what we want to do. We just, I haven't been able to find exactly what would work for us, you know. And it's incremental, as you're pointing out, which I like the way you're thinking about it. Like, well, what are, you know, what are some initial things we can do? And then the following year, what are a few more things we can do? And, you know, I think companies need to start thinking in those terms. A lot of times, I think when when we want to think about change, we become overwhelmed because we think it's all or nothing. We think that, oh, well, we can't redesign our distribution channel, you know, because, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's massive. Uh, But when you take one piece at a time, you know, Amazon didn't build what they have, you know, uh, in six months, Uh, you know, it took a lot of iterative processes to, you know, get to the point where we see as many Amazon trucks on our block as UPS trucks. I mean, absolutely. I also too, what taught me that here is when we were building our website um, and working on it, you know, I wanted it, you know, I wanted everything to be done really fast. I wanted to be, well, it, it's impossible. Mm. Um, so, you know, over years I've learned to, you know, you know, I've learned to find the joy in every day and also to, you know, be happy making a step forward. Even if it's just a couple of things, everything you do, you, you add it together, you add it together. And then it, you know, you have a finished item, a finished product, a project, a finished web page, whatever it is, but you know, you get there, you just got to keep going at it. You know, Bridget, I love that so much. So you're saying a creative job or any job or life is an additive process. Absolutely. We, we add, we add, we add, and that that is where the joy can be found. Yeah. I mean, that's where you find that little bit of, of, of success and fulfillment along the way. And then you eventually get to the goal you, you set, but you can't possibly get to that goal every day. And, and if you don't finish it in the day, you know, and you're overwhelmed then you're kind of ruining the whole process. I mean, it's a process, right? We're all here. Life's a process. Making ties is a process. Building our websites a process coming up with new ideas, trying to figure out how we're going to be sustainable. That's really a process, but I am dedicated to doing that. I'm going to figure out, even if it's just a little gum band that goes around the tie to start with, it's going to be something. So are there, um, are there young, is there a younger generation hanging out at Broom? Do you recommend this industry uh, to young people, to, you know, um, uh, college graduates, to people who are a part of the great resignation, looking for different uh, occupation? Well, I tell you, we do have, you know, we certainly do um, have uh, freelancers and, and younger people come in here for periods of time to help us out, whether it's uh, in the factory or in the design studio um, or in the office. But I do recommend this industry. And I tell you, and you know what I wish they would do? Young people, first of all, it's very challenging. We have a lot of different aspects. I mean, you know, from military to 
the security to hospitality to transit to airline into a gamut of different types of people different industries but what would be great is if this next generation that comes in here applies their um, profession to made in America to mm. going back and 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 let's 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 jack hard weave in this country again let's let's print in this country again not only digitally printing but I mean really um, um, wet printing silk screening at the level to do apparel not just t-shirts not just the occasion but really come back let's you know let's let's weave let's make more socks let's make let's make everything here again you know there was a time where we made everything let's let's mm. be able to make um, all the little, every kind of zipper that I want, the little grommets, all of the little different pieces, lining, tipping, you know, let's do everything here. Let's make all the labels here. Let's weave all the labels here. Now, do we, can we do some aspects of that? We do, but, but, you know, we have to bring manufacturing back into this country into a big way. Love that. I love it. Uh, and, and I guess, you know, we chased, uh, the cheapest labor around the planet, like many uh, countries that were doing well, then, you know, so we chased labor around the world. And now um, I believe that technology is coming to a point where many, hopefully many of your hopes for the future of bringing production back here to the US can be solved with technology. So if we don't necessarily have the sewers, we have technology that can, you know, that can do what we need. There's certainly technology, you know, can produce the grommets and the zippers. Absolutely. And, you know, and I so. do think we do have another, uh, uh, the next generation could be a generation of, of artisans that go back mm. to, to, you know, let's, let's print by hand again. Let's, let's mm. do a, let's, let's actually finish. Um, you know, we can make a combination, like you said, the technology, uh, maybe we have new machinery that can, you know, hand stitch. Then we still have to mix it up to um, have somebody hand paint it to to weave it. There's so many different combinations that can be done, um, and you see it starting in these, you know, there's design labs here in in Brooklyn and around that where they're starting in a small way, where designers and and and, and certain groups that are really trying to put out different types of products, and it's you know it's exciting to me. So uh, my daughter is actually involved a bit in the slow fashion world, right? Making making garments right. Uh, the the you know the slow way. It would it, it's a very interesting challenge you're giving our industry when we need to produce a thousand dozen of something because they have five thousand employees that are going to need fresh shirts, but. Right. Uh, but I think that there's an element that can go hand in hand and inspire uh, each other. That if we, perhaps there's a way that slow fashion can inform what we do and we can inform, you know, what slow fashion does. Right. It could be, you know, it could be a, a collaboration moving forward, but still creates, you know, new industry. Uh, mm. we, we have to we have to do we have to do more here. We have to, we have to be more reliable. We have to rely more on ourselves. Um, and I think the next generation have, have other ideas. They've, they've come from a different background than we have. So, you know, um, it's exciting to see what they can do. But I think you're nice. going to see that. I think you're going to see 
more, I mean, I, I really hope that they consider this industry because um, I do think it's, it could be uh, an exciting and a rewarding uh, career. Nice. Bridget, always, always interesting to talk with you. And I thank you so much for joining us on The Uniformer today. Yeah, I loved it. I love speaking with you, Rick, and I look forward to uh, meeting up at uh, the convention.